Welcome inside the CKDJ Studios for this extreme edition of Wrestling With Ideas. Of course, this is ECW month. We've been hyping this up uh, since late May. We are so excited for this. And, uh, of course, I am Zach McGibbon, the king of extreme, I'm going to call myself this month. With me is an interesting guest. You see, it is Marco Rossi who is reviewing this pay-per-view. We're going to call him the same uh, thing that was... uh, that Steve Carino went by. Oh. The king of old school. Oh, Because wow. for those who don't know, uh, Marco Rossi, not an ECW fan. Not, no. Uh, extremely crappy wrestling. Wow. Should uh, be the name of it. Um, So all the ECW fans uh, listening <laughs> in that were excited for this month. They're going to kill me. Yeah, they uh, are. That's it. With with steel chair and some barbed wire and that sort of this, stuff. This episode probably will be the death of me. Yeah, this this is the last time we see Marco Rossi or, or hear Marco Rossi. I'll be put through the uh, thumbtacks, the flaming table, the barbed wire flaming table. The whole nine know, yards. The AIDS infected hypodermic needles. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, yes, this is going to be a month-long thing. We're reviewing four ECW pay-per-views. We're on the first one here. The very first ECW pay-per-view. ECW Barely Legal 1997. It was supposed to happen in 1996, fun fact. Mm. But it kept getting pushed back. In fact, I think it was supposed to go as far back as 1995 that they wanted to go on pay-per-view. Wow. But uh, they wanted to go on pay-per-view the same time as UFC. Mm. And UFC was going through a lot of stuff. And somehow ECW got clubbed in with UFC. So they started to push that back. So finally, our first ECW pay-per-view, 1,170 fans in attendance at the ECW arena. Yeah. So we break into a bunch of audio problems to start <laughs> off the show. Good start. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You had the audio crew saying, I can't hear it. I can't beep and hear it. <laughs> but uh, things started to get a little bit more on track once Joey Styles took the microphone. Yeah. We couldn't hear what Styles was saying for the first little bit. Finally, they turned up the microphone. Dudley Boys came out. And while the Dudley Boys came out, they then played the introduction. They didn't play the introduction right away. <laughs> they le- sent the Dudley Boys out there first. And then uh, and then finally they went to their promo. Yeah. And uh, Gertner cut a really good promo because it's Joel Gertner. He, he was pretty funny. One of the bright spots of yeah. that league for sure. Yeah. Joel, yeah. Joel Gertner, one of the highlights from ECW. Yeah. A guy who's able to put himself over and his tag team over at the same time. The miracle lyrical. Yeah. The sexual intellectual. Yeah. We have an interview with Joel Gertner, by the way. I heard it was really good. Thank I liked you. it. Uh, WrestlingWithIdeas.podbean.com. Uh, explore all the behind the scenes going on in ECW with that. So Gertner cut a really good promo at the start. The Eliminators came out. 
Yeah. Cronus and Saturn. My boy Saturn. I John Saturn. Cronus and Perry Saturn, the Eliminators, a really hyped up tag team yep. at that time. And uh, boy, uh, this match really was just a showcase of the Eliminators. I mean, they got they got some cool stuff in. Um, pretty average match, you know. I, I actually think it's kind of funny how you know when you look forward, even just a couple years later, who ended up being the bigger tag team. But at the time, I mean, yeah, the Eliminators were pretty were pretty good, you know. For those who don't know, it's funny looking back on it, but apparently the Dudley Boys and the Dirt Cheats and that sort of stuff mm-hmm. were very much hated. No one liked the Dudleys, and they didn't like how the Dudley boys uh, expanded with, you know, uh, Sign Guy Dudley, Joel Gertner was technically a Dudley, Devon, Bubba Ray, you know, uh, Big Richard Dudley, trying to keep it appropriate for radio here. (laughs) Um, There are children listening to even the ECW month? It's not Dudley. It's not Dudley, 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 Dances with Dudley. Yeah. I don't give a damn about Dudley. (laughs) Sorry, that's me. I'm sorry. (laughs) They are overrated uh, horribly, and I and I will just throw that out there. Wow. Uh, Yeah, they're they're basically the epitome of uh, who would have thought that uh, you you, that you could uh, use furniture to get (laughs) over. But here we are, and uh, wrestling has always been a strange world. But uh, yeah. All right. So Eliminators defeated the Dudley Boys Mm -hmm. for their ECW Intercontinental. I mean. World Tag Team <laughs> Championship belt. You want? You might want to explain to the Ham and Eggers what you mean there, Gibby. <laughs> There's, uh, as you could probably see, if you look back at the ECW designs back in the day, uh, the tag team belts look just like the WWF Intercontinental Championship. Yeah, they looked really nice. Like uh, they, they look good. It's just WWF. You take it off and you put ECW on it. Yeah. Um, a lot of good spots in the match. Uh, Cronus looked really good. Cronus did a uh, Sasuke special, mm-hmm. which was described by Joey Styles, who was awesome on this pay-per-view, by the way. I love Joey Styles. He was really the bright spot of it, to be yeah. honest, yeah. Um, we had a, I believe he called it a springboard uh, body press Cronus salt, or something like that. A Cronus salt, I yeah. like it. I can or get as, behind that. Or as the real salt. people call it, the Sasuke special. The Sasuke special, yeah. Sounds um, like something I'd order at a Japanese restaurant, actually. <laughs> it, maybe, you know what, you wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> it, wouldn't, it probably yeah, wouldn't. Yeah. Um, Do you get a side order of Baba fries, or is that... Giant Baba fries. Oh! I like it. We could pitch that idea. Yeah, we got it. <laughs> would. Um, S- Perry Saturn hit a really nice Saturn salt as well. Yes. Uh Bouncing off the ropes, and uh, but that was mainly it. It was more just a showcase match of the Eliminators, yep. and uh, it, it was a good showcase match. I mm-hmm. enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a pretty average match. It was mainly just a bunch of moves, which was really cool. Well, they were there were well executed moves. Yeah, I was gonna say wrestling should be a lot of moves as long as there's some psychology behind it. Which yeah. Well, there's a reason why I'm not a big ECW guy, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> moving uh, on, I guess. Uh, so we'll go to the first star rating of the match. Dave Meltzer gave it two and three quarter stars. Out of five? Out of five. How would you rank? Ah, uh, three. three. I'll be star? nice. I'll give it three. Yeah. I, I I ride on the money with Meltzer. It was two and three quarter. Okay. It was it was a two and three quarter match. Only I'm only saying that because I really like Saturn. But I mean <laughs> I, I mean I, I could go either way with that. Two point seven five a three definitely wasn't anywhere close to four or five. I'll tell you that. And it wasn't a six star match. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to Joey Styles. Yes. And he was making fun of Joel Gertner, who after the match was saying through the Gertner counting system. You see. <laughs> That the Dudley boys were actually supposed yeah. to be the winners. Yeah. 86 to 83. I don't know where he got those numbers from, but he got them somewhere. Joel Gertner math. I like it. And then we got 
total elimination <laughs> uh, Joel Gertner um, so and and that's that's one of uh, Styles' signature catchphrases. Another one of the main highlights from that match, I should mention as well. Whenever clotheslines were thrown, Styles would go, "Clothesline!" Yeah, <laughs> just very quickly. Clothesline. The way that his voice shrivels. Oh yeah. my god! I love it's, it. Uh, it was something else. Yeah. Uh, so then we get we went to Joey Styles, and uh, he was making fun of Joel Gertner, mm-hmm. and then he was hyping up the three way dance mm. uh, for the number one contendership to Ravens ECW World Title. Yep. There was a long pause at the end of his speech. That was so awkward. It was really awkward. <laughs> like we were sitting there and we were like, "Okay, get to the promo." He you stares know. Stares at you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we cut to Sandman. Yeah. Backstage, smoking a cigarette. Smashing a beer can. Yeah. And uh, it was your cl- typical Sandman promo. It really was. It yeah. was, uh, he, he was saying that he's a fighter and people shouldn't overlook him. And he is going to fight Raven for that uh, ECW title later on tonight. And he busted himself open. Very much so. Uh, Smashing the goof. beer can. Just a. It- Awful guy shouldn't belong in a wrestling ring. Wow. <laughs> Again, this is this is anti ECW. Oh, he's not a good like if he was a good worker like an RVD, a Lance Storm, uh, uh, you know guys like that. I mean, I can understand, but he's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we then cut to uh, Joey Styles in front of the ring. Uh, camera was pointed at him. Mm-hmm. Ring is behind him. And uh, he says that Chris Candido was supposed to perform. Yeah. Um, but Another good wrestler. He, but he hurt his arm, uh, I think, doing an independent booking or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so, but they let Candido cut a promo. And uh, there's a reason why Candido is much more known for his <laughs> in-ring skills than his promo skills. Yeah, you know, they, you don't want to be speaking ill of the dead. No. Uh, but his promo wasn't very good. It was pretty bad. He looked like a... Bit of a he dork. was he was essentially saying how he was there for the original ECW Eastern Championship Wrestling, mm-hmm. and he was saying how he should be on pay per view no matter what, even with the injury. <laughs> and he understands why guys like Taz and Sabu are the main event, but guys like him who have been there since the beginning should also be on pay per view. Uh, so uh, instead, it was supposed to be Candido versus Lance Storm. Yeah, would have been a good match. Instead, we got Lance Storm versus Rob Van Dam. And, uh, yeah. And good replacement, eh? A, a very good replacement. <laughs> this, is, this is the Rob Van Dam with character. This isn't the Rob Van Dam where he's all dude and it's like, no. He, let's, let's, go, let's go high on the top rope, if you mm. know what I mean. He's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's, he's actually a well fleshed out character. Yeah. The storyline in this was he's so good for this ECW roster uh, and he's looking for the big bucks. Try move himself up, mm-hmm. uh, and he's trying to showcase himself here. He he's no second fiddle. No, he is no second fiddle. No. So we had RVD versus Lance Storm, mm-hmm. and I say it was a good match. I liked it. There wasn't. I think it was anything. at least yeah. I I thought it was. I I mean we've seen much better Lance Storm matches and RVD matches. I think it was at least three or four stars. It was, I'll give it. It was it was it was a good match. Like so like what would you say out of five stars? Three uh. Uh, three and a half, four, three and a half, three and a half or four. I guess probably three and a half. Mm-hmm. Three. You like you liked it. I enjoyed it because you got two good workers. Um, you know, a little few. You know, it was quite a few chair shots for CCW. Lance Storm though didn't really give the the hard chair shots. No, those um, his chair shots were really light. There was a, a lot of spots in the match where uh, 
he wanted to hit the guy in the head, and that was when it was really prevalent back in back in the day. Was a lot of those head chair shots. Yeah, and uh, it makes you cringe. It really does. Although at the um, same time, I'm glad he didn't like scramble RVD's brains, especially with all the concussion issues. You know, these days with concussion protocol being such a big thing, right? Yeah. I mean, but yeah, it, it at the same, it's kind of like a double edged sword, right? But yeah, RVD's cockiness in that match was something I. I I like. I don't it. remember him from from yeah. having like an, in later part of his really career. different from I like Rob that. Van Dam uh, you see in WWE. I like heel Van Dam. It, it, yeah. It's really interesting, yeah. and 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 he really goes all out with his character. Yeah. Um. Uh, this match, it was again, it was a good. I say it was a solid singles match. Storm's a solid guy. Yeah, I, Storm. I love Lance Storm. I yeah. can't say enough good things about him because uh, he's a wrestler. Yeah. He, <laughs> <laughs> he's. It was well worked. Um, a lot of good, a lot of good moves. Uh, obviously, yeah. you have to have your ECW in there. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the yeah. chair shots that S- Storm Sheer. delivered uh, was really nothing. It, they, it, there was two chair shots that he performed on Van Dam's head, but it was like you know, lightly tapping him, not trying to seriously injure him because I yeah. think Storm got it. Because I think Storm understood. It's like, yeah, this is gonna screw screw him up. I'm gonna be yeah, you know, careful with this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a good match. Uh, Van Dam sprung from his knees after uh, taking a couple of chair shots to the head. Did the Van Daminator? Yes. Kicked Classic the chair into Storm's face. Yeah. And then Van Dam performed his standing moonsault, pinned Lance Storm, and got the victory. Yeah, no, no uh, five star frog splash at this point in time. Nope. Maybe I guess. Uh, okay. Um, it match. was it was mainly Van Daminator because obviously ECW. Yeah. Um, so then we went uh, post match, and Van Dam was saying how. He now that he's gets to say he was on pay-per-view, he's going to make more money from promoters and more people are going to pay for his services cuz that's what it's all about. Like and, it. he, and he thanked Lance Storm for his match. Mm-hmm. Uh, he thanked him for giving him a high-quality match so that more promoters could book him. Yeah. <laughs> which was uh, classic funny, heel work. Which was which was very funny. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um so uh, again, you gave that 3.5, right? Mm-hmm. The, yeah, five. I'll give it three point five. Uh, I gave, gave it, it. I I gave it three and a quarter. I thought it was I thought it was solid, okay. but it wasn't like one of their best matches. I've seen a, a lot better from both Storm and Rob Van Dam. But keep in mind they were still young. Yeah. So uh, Dave Meltzer's review gave it two and a half stars. Oh, Davey. <sighs> two and a half stars for two that and match. Half stars. Yeah. I don't. I I don't agree. Anyways, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about this ECW pay-per-view, including more of the build-up to this show. Uh, You're listening to Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. And welcome back inside the CKDJ studios for ECW Month for Wrestling With Ideas. I'm the king of hardcore. Zach McGibbon, alongside me is the king of old school. The king of anti-hardcore. King, king of anti-hardcore. <laughs> king of old school, Marco Rossi. And uh, so we cut to a promo package of Stevie Richards backstage. Good promo. This was a really well-done promo. He was talking about how he no longer wanted to be under the wing of Raven mm-hmm. uh, as part of Raven's flock. He mm-hmm. was tired of being abused by Raven, and this was his chance yep. to go back after the title. No longer would he be looked at as the guy who uh, would be picked last on his school team. No longer would he pick uh, last in general. He's going to step up to the plate and uh, challenge Raven. And then Blue Meanie showed up. Yeah, that kind of ruined it for me. And Blue Meanie was saying how he, he was also going to step up uh, talk about uh, Big Stevie Cool, mm-hmm. how he was going to step up and uh, get things going. Yep. 
And so uh, it was a solid promo. I really yeah, it was. It. I, I I thought it was good until Meanie kind of ruined it at the end. But they were part of the the NWO uh, parody, the BWO, the Blue World Order. So yeah. I guess I understand. But you know what? It was good. Uh, very heartfelt. You know, uh, doesn't want to be picked last. Thought you know, like he was when he was a kid, kind of thing. And yeah, yeah, he just wanted to carve his own legacy. And I think that was uh, that was well done. Absolutely. So. We then go to our Michinoku Pro Showcase match, yeah. which was arguably the best match on the show. Uh, I would definitely say it was up there. Uh, really, really exciting. Good to, good to see some cross-promotion. That's Okay, one thing that I will give credit to ECW for is that they at least gave some expo- exposure to other styles and other people who maybe perhaps wouldn't have gotten a big break. Sometimes people like the Sandman, that's a good thing. But people <laughs> like these guys, that that's also good. Uh, you know, I mean, ECW, of course, we all know they've given you know platform for guys like Guerrero, uh, Eddie Guerrero, um, uh, Chris Jericho, Grey Mysterio, even Psychosis, for God's sakes. I mean, this match was really good, though. Yeah, yeah it was it. very good. Really exciting. This was a six-man tag match. Mm-hmm. Uh, between Gran Hamada, Masato Yakushiji, and the Great Sasuke mm, versus Dick Togo, Taka Michinoku, and Terry Boy. In all other words, of, uh, uh, yeah, all, all part of uh, Michinoku Pro. Kaiantai with an edge. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> this match was super quick. Everything was smooth. Everything was fluid. Lots of great moves in the match. Yeah. Uh, some good selling. Great Sasuke had some awesome kicks in this match. Um, Dick Togo showed a lot of great power. Mm-hmm. Mitch Noku showed some really quick suplexes. Yep. Um, this was an awesome match. I, I was I was impressed with everybody in this match. To be honest, though, I mean, I liked it because I was worried. Oh, we're gonna see like a lot of like flippy stuff. But there was like a good mixture of like. Okay, you got like your flippy stuff because it was like like some of it was the the Japanese mixed with the lucha libre style from Mexico. Yep. But it was there was also a little bit of psychology kind of in there as well, which uh, which I wish that the guys today would kind of understand. Mm-hmm. It's not all just like a video game where oh, oh, oh wow 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 like a fireworks display. There's actually got to be some sort of story told. Mm-hmm. Um, I was shocked though also by the length of the match. I mean, it was almost like 17 minutes yep. long. The official time that I've got was 16 minutes. 55 seconds. There you go. That's crazy. Um, it was a long match. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of good stuff, but I felt it kind of dragged a little mm-hmm. bit. There was some moments where it's like, okay, I've seen enough, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I felt if they cut it shorter, it would have been a really nice showcase and would have been a much higher uh, match rating for me. Because because it was like I was watching, it was like man, this is like a four and a quarter star matchup for me. Uh, like, absolutely, four and a half star. I think it should have been like ten minutes tops. Yeah. yeah. If 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 just if not like twelve minutes, right? Um, I felt it went a little too long, mm-hmm. considering all the moves that were happening at once. Oh yeah. Um, I like that it didn't slow down mm-hmm. at times. Like it was nonstop action. That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought everybody impressed here. They wanted to show, you know, their style of pro wrestling because Joey Styles introduced this matchup as a mixture of Japanese pro wrestling and lucha libre. Yeah, which uh, which was perfectly, uh, you know, encapsulated this matchup. That sums it up nicely. Um, and so yeah, everybody really impressed here. I loved everything was just quick. Everything was smooth. Uh, the dives were really quick. Um, the suplexes were really well done. Um, a lot, of, a lot of great stuff in this matchup. So yeah, I'd give it, I'd give it four and a quarter star. I really like that match. Uh, what about yourself? Four and a half. Four and a half. Four and a half. Four and a half star match. 
Well, let's see what uh, Big Dave said about the matchup. <laughs> Big Dave uh, gave it four and a half stars. Hey, me and Big Dave are on the same page on something for now. Yeah. Alrighty, this is the match you and I are both excited for. Oh, Shane Douglas <sighs> versus Pitbull number two. Now they hyped up this match. Ugh. With Shane Douglas coming into the ring for a promo, yep. he essentially talked about how he was the franchise mm-hmm. and how he broke Gary Wolf's neck. Pitbull number one. Pitbull number one. He broke Gary Wolf's neck. Mm-hmm. So Pitbull number two came out to defend his honor. That's right. And keep in mind, Gary Wolf, Pitbull number one, was staring at him. Yeah. <sighs> Aggressively. Aggressively like a riot dog. Riot police were brought out for this match. <laughs> the riot police. Yeah, we don't Because they were security. worried. This match was the one that they were worried about. A riot breaking out. Uh, this match, Shane Douglas versus Pitbull number two. Horrible match. Oh, we did not like this match. I mean, to Shane Douglas's credit, and I do think he's overrated. Uh, he's in tremendous shape then, and I'll tell you this: uh, he can work. Uh, he's just not incredible, but he can work. Um, and as far as like the promo goes, it worked in ECW because he was good at that kind of shoot style, whatever. But yeah, um, <laughs> uh, Pitbull number two. I I thought he was gonna like break Shane Douglas's neck or something because he was pretty clumsy. He was really bad in this mm-hmm. match. Pitbull number two did not impress one bit. No, and they gave him twenty minutes to work. The official time is twenty minutes and forty three seconds. That match could have been over in like ten minutes. Oh man, um, so again, this is for the ECW World Television Title. Mm-hmm. Uh. Some of the notable stuff in the match, Pitbull number one did come out. Mm-hmm. He removed his neck brace and went after Shane Douglas, and then he got kicked out. And then uh, there are some uh, moments where they used the guardrail uh, to their advantage, using it for an atomic drop. Um, there were some botched stuff from Pitbull number two. Ugh. It was uh, it was not pretty. It was so stupid when they brought on the guardrail, but I can't be surprised. ECW. It's but then it looked like he was like, was it was it Pitbull number two that was trying to look like he wanted to pretty much like impale like uh, Shane Douglas, like crotch no, first or something? Well, or was well, the well there was around? a spot. There was a spot in the match. I believe it was Shane Douglas that threw the guardrail onto Pitbull number two. Yeah, there was that. There was that spot. But then, oh, you know, it was Shane Douglas, I think, that wanted to crotch him. And then yeah. he, Pitbull number two, they were too close and his leg knocked it over. Yep. Well, uh, they were in that spot. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, a terrible match. Um, uh, this, two yeah, stars. Yeah, this was this was not a very good, good match. This, no. I gave it like a star and a half. A star and a half? Wow. Wow. You're yeah. harsher than me. Well, it was it was not good. Two it, stars well, for sure, well, just because Shane Douglas kind of tried. Well, the thing was, it was so long, this match. Oh, yeah. Like, that match was ridiculously long like it was it, it, it was you, you give 20 minutes to pitbull number two yeah that that's true and you uh, expect shane douglas to carry this guy to a match uh, right and douglas is fine as a worker like douglas looked a lot better like i yeah. will say that his his belly to belly uh which is his finisher by the way um that was good uh, it, it's a good looking belly to belly yeah, so at least at least it ended on a high note yeah. right but I I gave this match like a star and a half. Yeah. This was this was not a very good match. No. Um, so uh, what? Let's see what Dave said. Uh, so Dave gave this match three quarters of a star. He three was, quarters of a star. Yeah. So not even a full star. <laughs> My God, he's harsher than any of us. Yeah. And I hated the ECW, but I would I only gave it like two. Like I said, just because I think Shane Douglas really tried to make. 
chicken salad out of well, you know. Yeah. And uh <laughs> Yeah. It was it was it was not a good match. <laughs> Only real highlights of this were Francine. Ha oh, my girl. Um she, Shane she's still probably bay at this I can't say that. Shane, That's horrible. Shane Shane Douglas's belly to belly. Yeah. Um I will say Pitbull Gary Wolf was somewhat over. They, there was kind of a sympathy thing for his broken neck. Yeah. Oh, at the end there with the riot squad, that was kind of funny. Yeah, that, that was yeah, uh, that was that was nice. That, yeah, was, that bumped that was it up funny. a star for me. There yeah. you go, uh, <laughs> a whole star for you. <laughs> That's why I got two. Yeah, um, one for Shane Douglas, one for Pitbull number one's uh, run in there. Yeah. Other than that, no Pitbull number two is just a big jacked up clumsy oaf. <laughs> wow. And if he's dead, then I apologize. <laughs> but, I know, I know. Pitbull number one has passed yeah. away. Um, so uh, with that, we're going to take another quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Taz and Sabu. Ooh, I like that one. <laughs> yeah, that was a good match. I, we like that match. Um, and we're also going to talk about our main event, the uh, Triple Threat, or as they called it, a three-way dance mm-hmm. uh, for the number one contendership to the ECW title, and of course, the actual ECW title match. You're listening to Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. And welcome back inside the CKDJ studios for Wrestling With Ideas ECW month. I'm Zach McGibbon, the king of hardcore. Alongside me is Marco Rossi, the king of old school. Again, differing opinions. Um, but, uh, so far we've actually been kind of aligned. Yeah, something's wrong. Which is, which has been weird. Um. Don't worry. We're, we're not done yet. (laughs) Um, so, uh, I'm trying to remember here from my notes. Uh, I know that we had, uh, Taz and, uh, Sabu, uh, coming out, but before they went to that, uh, they decided, they showed a promo package for Terry Funk. Fifty-three um, year old at fifty-three years old at that time. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, and he they were awesome. hyping up the fact that he wanted to go after the title. He was deserving of the title, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, he's helped a lot for ECW, uh, that sort of thing. Oh, Love what him. we should mention uh, at the end of that uh, Douglas match, mm-hmm. Chris Candido came out. Oh yeah, that's right, he yeah, did, and, and he helped out. And they were hyping up this angle of uh, Douglas. Uh, th- they were hyping up this angle with. Uh, a masked man. Everybody knew it was Rick Rude, but they were hyping up as this. Oh my God! Man. How can we forget the legendary uh, Rick yeah. Rude? So a guy comes out. They think it's Rick Rude. He's in a motorcycle helmet, with simply ravishing that that, yeah. that robe. Yeah. Yeah. And he came out, made out with Francine in the mm-hmm. middle of the ring, and then uh, a man came out in a motorcycle uniform. Mm-hmm. And it turned out it was the actual Ravishing Rick Rude. And in the ring was Brian Lee. Primetime Brian Lee. Yes. Yes. So for those who are big ECW Raw's War fans, you may know him (laughs) as Chains. Or if you're into the new generation era, you may know him as the fake Undertaker. The Underfaker, yeah. The Underfaker. Oh, yeah. As some like to call him. (laughs) Uh, So this was Rick Rude's debut in ECW. Uh, so there's that. Probably his only appearance, I think. Uh, I think or one, he had, or I, they had two, eh? One, he had a couple, I think. Yeah. Uh, Unbelievable so, to see him there, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, It's kind of a surreal moment. It was amazing how over Rude was. Yeah. He was, like, insanely over. Because it's always funny. It's like, you know, ECW great. fans, they, they're always like, oh, we hate WCW, we hate WWE. Mm-hmm. But when one of their guys comes to ECW, yeah, Rick Rude's here. Woo! 
mean? Well, didn't they pop when Sid showed up? Or yeah. When, you know, anybody Scott Hall. Yeah. Scott Hall, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we then went to go to our first main event match of the evening. It is Taz versus Sabu. Mm-hmm. This was hyped up by the ring announcer as the grudge match of the century. And Taz's pre-match promo, oh, that was intense. It was very good. Yeah, he's. I always liked Taz. He's, he was staring right into the camera, and the funny thing was he's staring right into the camera, and Bill Alfonso <laughs> starts to show up in the shot. Then they quickly turn away from Alfonso and keep it focused on... Taz. I would have too. Somebody <laughs> just didn't blow that whistle in the promo. That was that uh, would have completely killed it. But yeah. but Taz gave a nice intense promo, staring yeah. into the camera, uh, saying how he was going to dismantle Sabu. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this was uh, it was interesting because Taz came out first, and then Sabu came out immediately right afterwards, like immediately. Yep. Uh, because they this was a grudge match, and he wants to you know beat the crap out of him. Of course. Right. Um, so. It started off, they both stared at each other. Mm-hmm. Taz threw a slap. Sabu then threw another slap. Mm-hmm. And it became an exchange between slaps and punches. Mm-hmm. Taz then clotheslined Sabu. And that's where it kind of became more of a submission match. Which, uh, yeah. I don't mean like the match type was a submission match. It's like a lot of submissions were thrown around. Yeah. And it'd be cool if it was like, I'm going to break your leg sort of submission. But it was more like... I'm going to wear you down sort of submission. Yeah, and for it was. A grudge, and for a grudge match, I was kind of like, you know, it'd be nice if, you know, it'd be more like I'm going to bra- snap your neck, o- or neck off, your leg off <laughs> in this, in this, uh, in this uh, hold. I mean, there was still enough of like vintage Sabu that, you know, there was a little bit of that death yeah. defying stuff where he wanted to literally kill Taz. But. Yeah, there, we, we had a couple of spots where... Uh, some of the stuff that really stuck out to me, uh, Taz was going to deliver a Northern Light suplex onto Sabu. Oh, yeah. Onto the table, onto the outside. Sabu reversed it into a swinging DDT. Mm-hmm. And when we both saw it, we were both like, holy crap. You yeah, know? yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. my God. Almost channeled our inner Joey Styles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that was the spot in the match. Sabu did a lot of off the chair, off the ropes, which he's known for. Yeah. But it turned into nothings. If that makes any sense. Like, he would run, he would jump off the chair, he would jump off the rope, and then he would just kind of stand. He would do, like, a pencil dive. You know yeah, I, mean? I guess, yeah. He would just kind of stand still. Yeah. Like, I, I I mean, I'm not expecting the guy to go out there and, you know, murder himself, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, it's like, just to, if you're going to do it, like, go all out with it, right? Like, mm-hmm. at least when Van, Van Dam did it, he did a senton at the end of it, right? He like, did, yeah. Like, with, with Sabu, it was just straight up like a pencil. You know what I mean? He's yeah. just straight up in the air, just going to throw the arms out sort of deal. Sabu um, never really made it look pretty, though, did he? No. no. I mean, it's Sabu. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean I, I'm mean, I'm a Sabu fan. I'm a big Taz fan. Oh, I love, Taz. always love Taz. Always. Taz Taz was great. Um, and so, th- and this match, I, I, I like this match. Obviously I enjoyed it, had, it. Obviously, it had his hardcore elements. Sabu got busted up early. Um, already blood streaking down. Yeah. Um, you just saw the scars and the wears and the tears uh, on his skin and on his chest and all that sort of stuff from all the damage he's taken from all the barbed wire matches, whether mm-hmm. it be FMW yeah. or ECW or XPW later on. Um, and so again, this was this was good. Uh, Taz threw a couple of forearm clotheslines. Yep. Um, uh, it caused Sabu to bleed from his nose. Um. 
And then there were a couple of spots in the match where Taz performed a bunch of different suplex variations, including double underhook, mm-hmm. a T-bone suplex, a headlock suplex, and a half Nelson suplex. All, all some form of a Tazplex, according yeah. to Joey Styles. Right. Tazplex. <laughs> um, so uh, mission. Finally, uh, they hyped up the Taz mission throughout this entire match as well. Uh, the Taz mission uh, was as no one has been able to tap out of the Taz mission. Every time you're locked into it, you're going to tap out. So Every, been, nobody's been able yeah, to get out of it. Yeah, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. so they built that up really well. Yeah. Um, so that was the finish of the match. Sabu got caught in the Taz mission and uh, didn't tap out. He just uh, lost consciousness. Kind of passed out, yeah. So, yeah, so it kind of made him look strong, like he looked yeah. valiant in his defeat because Sabu's not going to be tapping. Like, you look at a guy like Sabu, it's like, no matter what you think of him, the guy is tough, right? Yeah, he's not going to He's, he's not, not going to tap. No. You're not going to book him to tap. No. Um, so this was a great, this was a good match. I like this match. Um, I like the story that it built, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought there was a couple of cool spots in the match, a lot of dangerous spots, but no, of course, a, a lot, a lot of cool spots in this matchup. Yep. Um, so I, I give it three and three quarter stars. I liked it. I'll give it a four star, you know. And of course, Sabu uh, doing the Taz mission on Taz was kind of yep. an oh my god moment. Yeah, it's always funny when people like steal the finishers, right? Yeah, uh, yeah I'll give it a four star actually. A four star, yeah. interesting. I actually thought you were going to be much harsher on it. I mean, uh, yeah, but I, I still think that there, it wasn't the reason why I think is because it wasn't all, you know, chair shots and flaming tables. So at yeah. least there's like some element of wrestling. Yeah. Thank you, Taz. <laughs> Uh yeah, I mean that's the thing. Maybe I'm maybe I'm being a little bit nice. Maybe I'm softening. Maybe I'm softening up. I don't know. I doubt it. But uh, probably that's the case. I don't probably think so. <laughs> Not a chance. Uh, no, I, uh, I didn't like a lot of the hardcore stuff. Obviously, but it is what it is. All right. Well, let's see what Big Dave said. Um, so Big Dave, Dave Meltzer, of course, of the Wrestling Observer, mm-hmm. gave this match. Three and a quarter star. Okay, so clear, close. All right. Yeah, I, I thought that would be where you would be at, to be honest. I thought you would be around that three and a quarter star. Three, well, it's close to four. Well, yeah. we'll round it up. I'll be nice. I, I, I thought this was a very good match. I, yeah, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed it. it. Yeah. Um, and so with that, we're going to take another quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to get to our main, main events. We're talking about the three-way dance for the ECW Championship number one contendership, I should say. Mm-hmm. And then the match later on for Ravens ECW title. You're listening to Wrestling with Ideas ECW month here on CKDJ1- CKDJ 1079. <laughs> Ottawa's new music. Oh, I'm screwing up. Elimination. And welcome back inside the CKDJ studios for Wrestling with Ideas here on CKDJ 1079, Ottawa's new music. I am the king of hardcore, Zach McGibbon. Alongside me is the king of old school, Marco Rossi. And uh, we're getting into what this pay-per-view was mainly built uh, towards. This three-way dance between Terry Funk, Big Stevie Cool, and the Sandman. Uh, and so we first saw Big CB Cool coming out with the Blue World Order. Uh, members of the Blue World Order include 7-Eleven, <laughs> Hollywood Nova, the Blue Meanie, and Thomas Rodman. Okay, see, I was close because uh, the whole time I'm going, is that Dennis Rodman? And you're going, no. No, it's not It's not Looks Dennis like Rodman. It, it, it looked just like Dennis Rodman. They really went with the like whole parody yep. of the NWO. Nova, Nova so impersonated bad. Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Uh, Big CD Cool, obviously, impersonated Nash, Kevin Nash. Yeah. Uh, Blue Meanie impersonated Scott Hall. Yeah. 
Uh, Thomas Rodman, obviously impersonating Dennis Rodman. <laughs> and uh, 7-Eleven uh, was impersonating uh, X-Pac. Or uh, six. That's what I thought with the hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it looked like he was impersonating X Pac. He, he really wasn't a showcase, obviously. Um, Big Stevie, cool. Uh, what are your thoughts of him, by the way? I like Steven Richards yeah. uh, as a worker, and he can cut a decent promo. I always thought he was really underrated, but I, I can't stand the Blue World Order. You can't, eh? Just too much. Like, I'm an 80s guy, and like, I can tolerate like a fair amount of cheesiness but this was horrible this whole match sucked in my opinion uh, this I entire actually triple threat couldn't stand it really the sandman just ruined it for me wow yeah uh, well let's get to the Sandman. <laughs> he came out he wore uh what'd you call this uh what did you call the pat zubaz pants, pants zubaz back pants. in those days and he wore like a white shirt and he was you know he came out with a cigarette and a singapore beer. cane yeah uh and beer he drank the beer. He came out to uh, Enter Sandman by Metallica. Love that song. He's very much an entrance. You see him, and it's awesome. You want to get behind him. Mm-hmm. Literally, before he even gets into the ring, he's smashing over his head a beer can, and yeah, he's already bleeding. Sandman. Yeah, classic Sandman. Pretty much he's Sandman. He busts himself open with the beer yep. can. and It took him forever to get into and... the ring. <sighs> like I Like, the entrance was awesome for the first two, three minutes, but then after the fifth minute, you're like kind of like okay, let's get to the match. Yeah. You know that, that that sort of deal. Yeah. Um. So we had Sandman uh, enter the ring, mm-hmm. and then finally enter we had Sandman. Oh, uh, very nice. Not gonna quit very my nice. day job. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had Terry Funk, the legend. They called him the living legend here. Yeah. Larry Zabisco, eat your heart out. Oh, shots fired. The, the hardcore <laughs> icon. Yeah, I love Terry Funk. Uh, big big Terry Funk fan as well. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, this triple threat match, very much your standard extreme championship wrestling match. Yeah, crappy. if you love if you love <laughs> ECW, this is your match. Um, yeah. I'm gonna say it right now. I really love this match. Ugh, I loved it. There you go. I see. We're gonna disagree at some point. I I love this match. Lots um, of la- ladder ladder shots and and trash cans and there was an chairs. airplane spin spot, but Terry funny. Funk had the ladder on him <laughs> and he freaking wailed Sandman. Wailed everybody we and then he gets tangled up in the ladder. And then he got dizzy <laughs> and then he went back to doing another airplane spin. Gosh. I mean it was uh it was an awesome spot. I like that. Sandman came in with a ladder. He he went off to the side and people started cheering because they saw that he was grabbing a ladder. Um if it was Stevie Richards and Terry Funk, it would have been very awesome. Yes, I would have had a different opinion probably. Um but I still really like this match. I enjoyed it. Um I uh I uh I thought Sandman wasn't as bad as he could have been. Ugh, he was he was as bad as he could have been. He was terrible. I um, expected a lot worse from the Sandman here. Really? I, I thought he was much better Jeez. than what I was expecting. Because that was bad. Let's there not was forget. One, there was one really bad spot where Funk and Sandman are on the outside, mm-hmm. and Sandman's going to do the plancha over the top rope, mm-hmm. but he's short, mm-hmm. trying to go for a leg drop, I think mm-hmm. it was. He was short. Oh. That was a pretty bad spot. Um, but there was a couple other spots. I mean, uh, I mean, mainly a lot of the stuff with the ladders was, was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and of course, this was an elimination match, so uh, you you want to get rid of Sandman first, right? Ron. Yeah, you think, right? Big Stevie Cool eliminated first. Yeah, that was a little shocking. Oh, by the way, before we go on, let's not forget 
who was on guest commentary. Ah, yes. Very instrumental, right? Tommy Dreamer and Beulah McGillicuddy. Yeah. And Dreamer actually did a good job. Like, he wasn't, like, noticeable, but he wasn't bad, if that makes any sense. No, he was, he was all right. He didn't, yeah. he didn't uh, you he, know, hamper it. And he, Terry Funk, you know, he was the father figure, so it's yeah. important to, you know. Yeah, he brought up the fact that he gave up his spot in this... Uh, he gave up the spot in this match because mm-hmm. initially he was booked for it. Mm-hmm. He gave up the spot to Terry Funk because he knew he deserved it more. Mm-hmm. And he said he know, knew this was a big opportunity for himself uh, to be on pay-per-view to compete for the title. That's right. But he knew that this was Funk's last chance of going after the title. Um, and so uh, I, the, he told a really good story here. And, of course, Beulah McGill- McGillicuddy came out as well. No relations to Michael McGillicuddy, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, but... uh, You went there. Oh, I did. But uh, Beulah looked incredible here. Yeah. I I, I love Beulah McGillicuddy. She's uh, certainly easy on the ice. Um, Didn't say a word, though. Nope. Which some guys like, but... Barely said anything. (laughs) Um, But uh, this match itself, I really like this match. I would even go as high as saying, like, three and a half stars. Uh, No. I really like this match. I would say it was a two and a half, may, maybe three because of how everything kind of ended. Yeah. But we'll get to that. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so the ending of this match, Terry Funk won. Unreal. Uh, it, it was crazy. Uh, Sandman went underneath the ring and he grabbed the uh, streamers yeah. from the Michinoku Pro match, but he wrapped it around in barbed wire. Of course. And there were spots in the match where he used himself as a human wrecking ball, landing onto Terry Funk, who did not have a shirt on, by the way. So the barbed wire hit right onto the skin. So Sandman came in like a wrecking ball. Yep. Before Miley Cyrus was yep. even... Was she born by then? That doesn't matter, I guess, at that matter. point. I'm just funny. making a really lame joke. I think the answer joke. is yes, by the way. <laughs> okay. Um, and so... Uh, yeah, Terry Funk uh, beating uh, the Sandman here uh, with uh, Terry Funk's moonsault, if you can call it a moonsault. He kind of, I mean, very impressive for back. 53 years old. Yeah, but it it looked like you know when you throw something at the wall and it looks out of control. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like an out of control moonsault, like a fidget spinner. Yeah, <laughs> just just without the spinning. And more yeah. of the fidgety. Yeah, pretty you much. Know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was it was very much a sight to behold. So it was cool to see. I mean, it was cool to see Funk uh, get the win. Um, if you watch Beyond the Mat, there's the whole story behind him going after the title. It's it's even better. Yeah. Um, because he helped to put ECW on the map, and he was willing to put guys over that back in like the '70s when he was NWA mm-hmm. World Champion, he would never put over. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so he was instrumental in creating ECW, and this was Paul Heyman's way of uh, thanking him yep. for creating ECW and getting them on pay-per-view, really. Um, so this was his way of uh, repaying him. Did you think uh, when Raven came out, right, because the whole thing was, well, Funk just had like a really brutal three-way dance. Now he has to have another match. There's no way he's going to win. Yep. So that's, when Raven came whole... out, he was like slim pickings, right? Yeah, that's, I think that's the idea of it. It's like, oh, well, Raven's going to win no matter what. Did right? you actually, like when you first saw it, did you think yes. Did you think Raven was going to win? Did. did you think that Funk was going to do that whole? Because no, there was thought, like a lot I of thought, commotion that caused I, the win, right? We should yeah, probably get into that. Yeah, but, we'll, we'll actually yeah. get into this after a commercial break. Oh, so I'm getting a couple steps ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. So after this, after this commercial break, We'll get into the entirety of the Raven versus Terry Funk ECW title match. 
What happened? What did Tommy Dreamer do? Uh, who made their big return ECW during that time as well? It took a big bump. We'll talk about all of that stuff and more. You're listening to the ECW Month version of Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. And welcome back inside the CKDJ studios for Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. It's ECW Month. We're talking about ECW Barely Legal 1997, the very first ECW pay-per-view. And we are at our main event of the evening. It's Terry Funk versus Raven for the ECW world title. Now, a lot of stuff happened here. I was very much engaged in this matchup. Um, but before we get into that, actually, we should probably also mention the star ring that Dave gave uh, for the three-way match. Oh, yeah. I'm curious. Four stars. Ugh. Gave the match four stars. Ugh, no. You gave it two and a half. I gave that three and three quarters. No, I bumped it up to three. I think I gave it three and a half, three and three quarter. Somewhere around there. I'll say three. Three. That's my final answer. That's your final answer. One dollar. Yeah, one dollar, <laughs> Bob. Yeah. Um, so Terry Funk versus Raven. A lot of stuff happened here. Uh, some interference by Tommy Dreamer. Yeah, that was huge. Uh, this was all part of the big storyline between Dreamer and Raven. Uh, it's dating back to the mid nineties, ninety five. Mm-hmm. These guys do not like each other. Uh, you know, with Raven, with Raven always getting in Tommy's business, and the whole entirety of the feud has been Raven beating Dreamer. But Dreamer has been looking good. Yeah. Uh, in the end, mm-hmm. and he still looks uh, like a fighter. Yeah. And uh, it would be always one step short, but something would happen. But today was the, or rather tonight was the night where he got his one up on Raven. Um, so he went in and he distracted Raven from the commentary booth. And then all of a sudden, Big Richard Dudley <laughs> made his return to ECW and started to attack Tommy Dreamer. And it looked like he was going to choke slam him through two things of tables. Off of a, uh, like, like, off the of a ledge. Yeah, off the ledge. A good drop. That's uh, uh, a good, good drop. ECW, what can I say? Um, and uh, Dreamer reversed it and did his own choke slam to Big Richard Dudley. Mm hmm. Through the two tables Ugh. and onto the ground below. And then finally Dreamer came Dreamer himself came down and started attacking Raven. They had a little bit of a back and forth. Dreamer hit the DDT. And then uh Terry Funk slid in, got the cover and the win to become the new ECW World Heavyweight Champion. Yeah, that was crazy. What did you think of the match? Well, the one with Raven, it wasn't there. Was, it wasn't much to it because Funk was all you know yeah. beat up and yeah. stuff. It was uh, more of an angle. Yeah, I mean, it was it was cool. I guess I'm obviously never a big fan of like when older guys win, but I guess in in these circumstances, it's kind of cool. It's like one last time sort of deal. That's it, and right? I can, and I can get behind that story. Well, that's it, especially because like he was beat up and like you got like the young whippersnapper, you know, defending the, the belt. Like you're not going to beat him, and and then you've got you know the the guy that he mentored supposedly who's helping him out, and the the Dudley running was probably just random filler. Yeah, uh, I didn't really care for the table spot. Again, not an ECW guy, but the whole story was okay. The match itself, I don't, I don't know. Out of five, I'm not gonna give it like a four or five. That's for sure. I don't even know if I want to give it like a three. I guess I'll give it like a three and a, well, I'll give it like a three and a half only because of the story and it was cool to see Funk win it. Yeah. 
So I guess I'll give it a three and a half. Three and a half, eh? Yeah. I'm also going to give it a three and a half. Oh, look at that. Because of the story as well. Okay. What I did thought, Big Dave thought, give it? Uh, Big Dave. Yeah. Let's go see what Big Dave gave it. Big Dave gave it three and a quarter. <laughs> so close, eh? Three and a quarter. Yeah. Um, Would you? Sorry, what, I think I cut you off there. What did you? What were you going to say? I was just going to say I, I really enjoyed the match. Okay. I, I liked it. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a great angle to end off the show. Mm-hmm. It was a nice feel-good moment for the first ECW pay-per-view. Yeah. Um, I think I think Terry Funk was the right winner, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just thought I just thought it was a great match. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Um, it continued on the big feud going on between Dreamer and Raven, obviously. Yeah. Um, which I love me some long-term booking. That's my sort of love. Um, yeah, long-term booking. That's almost become a lost art, eh? It really has. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, re- I uh, let's let's talk about the show then. Let's talk about the show in general. Uh, what would you rank the show out of five stars? The entirety of ECW Barely Legal. My goodness, three, three out of five. What were your strengths? What are your weaknesses of the show? Uh strengths: six-man tag, Sabu and Taz. Lance Storm and RVD. The main event had some moments. Um, I think for the first like pay per view, like I will cut it some slack, even if it is ECW, uh, because you know it things are bound to happen, right? Yep. Um, yeah, it was, uh, again, a lot of un, you know blood and table spots and chair. Chair shots, excuse me, and then you got all the. Uh, it's just a lot of nonsense. At least there was like still some semblance of psychology in some of the matches, but some of it was just downright horrible, mm-hmm. um, as we've discussed. So I'll give it a three. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna give it a three point seven five. Wow, okay. I liked it. It was a very good. It was a very good, strong showing uh, for the very first pay per view. A lot of great matches. Um, strengths, obviously, we both agree. The Michinoku Pro mm-hmm. uh, six man tag match was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, big fan of Sabu versus Taz. Mm-hmm. I thought the three way dance was really good. I liked that match. You know, add a little bit of extreme elements to it. Um, well, of course they would. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I I, I like me some Cronus and Saturn. I thought they looked cool. That wasn't bad. Yeah. Um, I also uh, glad to see Candido somehow make it onto the show. But uh, didn't. But the negative is he cut a promo. Um, he basically sounded like Skip the Body Donna. Yeah. That's <laughs> big, big strength, yeah. Joey Styles. He really made the pay per view for me. Yeah, yeah, Joey that, Styles. That's why I liked sitting through it. To be yeah. honest, most of it. Clothesline. Yeah. Um, oh my god! He gave a long one during the table. He really uh, extended spot. that. Yeah. He really saved that. Oh my god! For that pay per view. <laughs> I um, like Joey Styles. You know. Yeah. Uh, as a strength, so a strength. Oh, a, uh, AJ Styles, Joey Styles. Um, <laughs> Maybe he was in attendance. Yeah, I mean, you never yeah. know. Um, some negatives. Um, I did not like uh, all the tech issues that were going on. Of course. Um, There's some awkward pauses. Oh, uh, Joey Styles the, looking in the camera extra yeah, long. Yeah. Some of the backstage promos, while some were really good, yeah. I couldn't hear some of them. I wish they could have picked up on the microphone. So a bunch of production mm-hmm. stuff. Um. Did not like Pitbull 2 versus Shane Douglas. <sighs> Whoever gave the idea of putting Pitbull 2 in a 20-minute match on pay-per-view <laughs> slash Paul, please like, don't ever do that again if you ever decide to book again. Um, did not like that match. Um, I thought I liked RVD versus Storm, but I think they could have got done much better. Mm-hmm. 
Um, which they they have faced each other later on in their careers, and I'm I'm almost certain they, that the matches better were matches. better. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I think I I I'm under the different opinion. I think some of the extreme hardcore spots work if you can you know build it up right. Yeah. There were some moments. There were some moments where I was like, this is you know ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but I still love me some ECW. I'm a big ECW fan. Um, there were some spots, especially this chair shots at the head, knowing what we know now with the benefit of hindsight. Mm-hmm. It's looking back, it's like, oh boy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I, I, but those were really my only negatives. I thought the crowd was awesome. I thought the matches were good. Oh, they were they were into it. Those bloodthirsty fans, they yeah, were, I, but they were into it. You know, I I had a, my I style. Had, I had a great time watching it. Yeah, I, I really did. I, I I thought it was well worth it. It was interesting to watch some history, um, to see the very first ECW pay per view. Yeah. Um. So I thought it was well worth it. I thought there was a lot of good matches. Um, I don't I don't think there was a lot of memorable matches per se, but there was a lot of good ones. Um, no, that's for sure. Again, it's just not my style with yeah. all the. I just think it kind of it kind of ruined the business. But that's a whole wow. other show. I I really don't <laughs> think it ruined the business. I don't think it, I don't. The, the whole hardcore hard. stuff. I just don't like it. I, I I'd rather you know the, the whole suspension of disbelief rather than beating the hell out of out of people. To well, a I think bloody it works pulp. in a way. I mean, that's a different argument for another time, right? I, I think but, I think when you when you use it very sparingly and not. Yeah, beat the fans over the head. Yeah, no pun intended. With it all the time. Yeah. That's my only concern. Yeah. Well, but anyway, well, now we see it in hindsight, all these yeah. years later. But yeah. Um. Well, now that was ECW barely legal in 1997. The first pay per view down of the four pay per views. Our next pay per view we're doing ECW Heat Wave 1998. Not only considered the best ECW pay per view, one of the greatest pay per views of all time. Mm. So that should be something for you. Um, and uh, so next week, it's going to be ECW Heat Wave. The week afterwards, oh, you're going to love this one. ECW December to Dismember 2006. One of the worst. <sighs> Not only ECW pay-per-views, but just one of the worst pay-per-views in general. You can't recapture whatever magic ECW had, and, and you'll you'll see it. You know, like the one-night stand, like the first one was, okay, I'll give yeah. it a credit, but then they kept doing it. Yeah. Defeating the purpose of a one night stand. Um, Speaking of the first ECW one night stand, that's what yeah. we're finishing off ECW month with. Oh, again, I'm I'm getting ahead of you. One night stand, 2005. Yeah. My, one of my favorite pay per views. My ah, Mick. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite yeah. pay per views. Poor Funk. And I love going back and watching it. Uh, just everything about that pay per view, I absolutely loved. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's our schedule, and not only that. Uh, you notice that referee in the RBD versus Sabu match, mm-hmm. uh, Jim Molyneux? Mm-hmm. We're going to have an interview with him next week, right oh, here on Wrestling With Ideas. Very nice. All part of Wrestling With Ideas ECW month. So stay tuned for that. Again, next week, ECW Heatwave 1998. I think you'll be back for that one. I uh, I would love to be back. Thanks yeah. for having me on, man. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, I the king of old school. I'm sure I'm sure you've already got a whole bunch of ECW fans like sending you hate mail, probably wrapped in barbed wire. You know that's probably. Sort of I I wouldn't expect to be thrown through a flaming table at some point after the show. Yeah. I just hope that Heat Wave was better than this one. Uh, <laughs> uh, judging from what I've heard, Heat Wave is an incredible show. I think I saw like one match from it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I it it's host to one of my favorite wrestling feuds of all time Masato Tanaka versus Mike Austin yes so that should be a very fun review so anyways thanks again the king of old school Marco Rossi I am the king of hardcore
kind of extreme, kind of hardcore, Zach McGibbon. And uh, so, yeah, stay tuned for that. Uh, keep on tuning in every Thursday at 6 p.m. for Wrestling With Ideas right here on Seagate AJ 1079, Ottawa's new music. If you want to listen to past interviews, include with other ECW guys like Joel Gertner, uh, Mick Foley we've had on the show as well. Um, check on out the Wrestling With Ideas at Podbean.com website where you can find all the interviews there. We've also got interviews with guys like Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Jake the Snake Roberts, Jeff Jarrett, who recently made a ton of news with the Global Force Wrestling merger of yes. Impact Wrestling. So TNA is no more. Um, so yeah, we got Jeff Jarrett in there. Uh, we've, we got a ton of guys. Uh, Ted DiBiase on the show. Oh, one of my favorite Reece- We recently had Buff Bagwell on the show. That was a very fun interview. I highly che- recommend you guys check that out, especially his thoughts on the American Males theme song. Hilarious, hilarious interview. You definitely want to check that out. So, I, I laughed my butt yeah, off. It was It's, it's a great interview. <laughs> so uh, keep on checking that out. That's at wrestlingwithideas.poppy.com or search us up on SoundCloud. But until then, guys... Have a good one. You have just listened to the greatest wrestling show on the planet. If you want to listen to older episodes of the show, including full interviews, make sure you check out Wrestling With Ideas on Podbean and on the Podbean app, or listen to us on our new SoundCloud page. We can also be found on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Player FM, and many more. Make sure you keep on tuning in every Thursday at 6 p.m. to wrestle with ideas. Welcome inside the CKDJ Studios for Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 1079, Ottawa's new music. I'm Zach McGibbon. On the line with me, he is a former ECW referee. He is Jim Molyneux. Jim, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Zach. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. Glad to have you on. Uh, we're actually going through an ECW month right now, going through old ECW pay-per-views, so perfect timing to have you come on the show. Sure. I, I was there for uh, almost all of them. The, the only thing I wasn't there for was the last, what they, they called ECW um, pay-per-view, the um, December to this member or whatever they oh yeah for the, <laughs> that, that disaster <laughs> oh yeah well we're, we're going to be reviewing that one uh, very very soon so I'm I'm looking forward to that one um, but uh, let's let's actually talk about first how you broke into the wrestling business sure well I was a wrestling fan I, I think like most guys and um, I never really I never went to the shows when I was a kid Um it just didn't have the, the family just didn't have the money for it. And I'm saying we're we we're underprivileged or, or anything like that. But my dad worked hard. He was a house painter. I, I I hate to say the comparison publicly, but I always think of myself as a as a Dusty Rhodes. You know, he grew up a son of a plumber. I was a son of a house painter. So I understand, you know, when he cut those promos, that's that's how I got got drug in. He cut those promos about living a hard life and, you know, how money was you know, tough to come by, uh, and how important it was to hold on to that money. I, I, I grew up with that, you know, real blue collar family. So we never went to the shows. Um, and it wasn't until I, I was older and out of the house and on my own, in fact, even married and had a family that I started going to shows and, um, the shows in the, and I went to the N, NWA shows in Philly. I never went to the WWE shows. Um, and the ring announcer, the local ring announcer was Joel Goodhart who had a wrestling fan club. So I started hanging out with the wrestling fan club. They would do luncheons 
with wrestlers that were coming in. And then Joel started a promotion. And I had always wanted to be a manager. I love Jim Cornette and Bobby Heenan. And I came up with this character, Extravagant Jimmy Fortune. And uh, so I thought, let me be a manager. So I, I tried that a little bit. And I went to Joel and I said, hey, I, you know, wonder if you could use me. And he said, he said, well, I don't really need another manager. I'm loaded down with them. He said, but I could use a referee. Um, so if you want to train here, he gave me all the information of training at the school that he had and said, you know, give me a call back in a couple of days. So I called him back 10 minutes later and said, I'm in. So um, started refing and started with Tri-State Wrestling Alliance. When they shut down, it the people that were behind the scenes, mainly Todd Gordon and, and Bob Ortiz, um, started up ECW uh, or, or said they were going to you know, start something new. And it turned out to be ECW and um, was there for the entire run of, of the original ECW. Mm-hmm. Interesting stuff. So I was just going to mention, how did you join the ECW uh, company? It, that pretty much explains it there. Um, when yeah, pretty much. They said anyone, that, pretty much anyone that was involved in Tri-State Alliance um, automatically got a a uh, a tryout. Not even really a tryout, but said, you know, come on, you're part of the family. Yeah, come on over to this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, at that point, uh, when Paul Lee started to come in, what was the reaction from uh, Paul Heyman uh, coming in uh, to ECW? Um, well, Paul had come in as a manager. Uh, he was good friends with Eddie, Eddie Gilbert, and uh, they worked well together. Um, and then Eddie, or I guess Todd, decided that he wanted to go in the direction with Paul leading the way as opposed to Eddie. And... Um, I don't think we had really any problem with it, or at least I know I didn't, um, because I'd already survived through um, Todd and, and Larry Winters, who were the original bookers with with ECW. When it was time to do TV, they realized they wanted to use somebody who had a lot of TV experience. So they brought in Eddie. And Eddie, the really only difference between Eddie and, and Paul that, that I felt was Eddie came in and put on the, the wall um, – six weeks of TV that we were going to tape that night where Paul comes in and says hello to everybody and does business and, and you know, we're the first matches ready to go and we're still waiting for the rest of the card. <laughs> so they were the, they were the two main differences between the two. And, and I didn't have a problem with, with Eddie at all. I loved learning from him. Um, I'm really a person who kind of sits back and takes things in and, and, and tries to remember things and use them, know how to use, like I'm using them now with, uh, with training guys and, and running shows with, with what I'm doing now. So I've taken all that stuff from, from Eddie and from Paul and, and all the guys that I've worked with and, and kind of use all that information to, to create something different. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and when ECW started to really uh, gain some momentum, uh, when did you really start to notice that, hey, this could be something uh, that could uh, potentially be bigger than what uh, initially thought it could be? Uh, it, it came for me, it came to be the, the very first match that I did that got some attention for the company. We, we've gotten we had gotten some attention um, back in the day. They had tape trading. So the big thing was, for those who don't know or weren't there, 
you would there was a underground system of you know i'm in louisiana and i'm taping local wrestling and i'll trade you my local wrestling for your local wrestling in ottawa or or your local wrestling in winnipeg or you know wherever um so that was going on and we had done the three the the first three-way match between sabu uh terry funk and shane douglas and and i was the referee for that it was a 60-minute match with with no winner went went to the bell um and i really felt that like there was a big buzz with the underground tape traders at the time with that match and i thought now we've we've kind of made it because it started going this match was sent to japan and it was sent around the world so i thought this really has done it for us Mm -hmm. And, and i think that's really the first eye opening thing for me with would make that ecw would be something special Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I also want to ask as well, uh, when uh, ECW, when they were Eastern Championship Wrestling, setting up the NWA uh, World Title Tournament, and then Shane Douglas dropping the belt and saying he's the new ECW champion, holding up the ECW title belt. Uh, did anybody know that was going to be happening? Was it something that some only a few of the EC, ECW guys knew? Um, obviously, nobody in the NWA knew this was happening, but was it just something that only like Shane and Paul knew? Or was it something a little bit more known to some of the ECW uh, roster members? I, it wasn't known to the majority of the roster. I think definitely Shane and Paul and maybe a few guys, um, <laughs> maybe to be backup or, or security in case, you know, the someone from the NWA or, or, you know, someone who felt that what we did was wrong would it maybe attack or, you know, try to do something crazy. Uh, so I'm sure there was some backup who was involved, who knew what was going on. But otherwise, I, nobody knew. I, I, we were really surprised by it. And, you know, that was another moment that, that kind of did it for ECW. I think that was the next one after the, the, the triple threat match. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and and did you have any in, interactions with uh, the NWA, or specifically Dennis Corluzzo? Uh, or was it just something that was like the NWA kind of looks over this promotion, not really interacting too much with them? Yeah, we, you know, we didn't have a NWA representative coming in and looking at what we were doing every taping or anything like that. I know... Um, uh, Gosh, I can't think of his name right now. I'm gonna—it's horrible. Jim Crockett too. Mm-hmm. Jim Crockett Jr. had come in, and they had done a couple of tapings in New York and used a lot of our guys. And um, so there was kind of a buzz with some maybe something happening there. And Paul was involved with that too, um, but it, that never developed into anything other than a taping. And um, but Jim Crockett had been around a couple of times, but not to, like I said, oversee what we we were doing. And Dennis was a local promoter who had an NWA license in New Jersey. Um, and he actually ran shows opposite us. Um, they, he was, I get, he kind of considered us his competition. Um, so, um, I don't, I never understood why Dennis was there that night. 
Interesting. Um, and so just moving on a little bit forward, um, continuing on with that extreme championship wrestling brand, uh, when you noticed that it was really uh, taking home that we're extreme, we're going to go you know, through barbed wire and that sort of stuff, uh, what was your initial thoughts of the style of wrestling, that being the hardcore style? Were you all, all for it? Or were you thinking this is just a little too much at the time, especially uh, just starting out? Um, or, or again, was it just something where it's like, this is a new style, it's making us stand out uh this is this is something that's gonna make ecw become bigger at that time yeah i didn't have any problem with it because i had seen matches with involving fire and and barbed wire and things like that in other places um and it wasn't like ecw did that every match in ecw had everybody went through a table for a finish you know there it wasn't a one two three it was it was through a table we actually 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 had real matches too uh which a lot of people tend to not realize you know when you look at an ecw card there may be two matches where people went through tables and then also you have a, a comedy match with maybe the fbi against the, the bwo and then you have a lucha match with uh, super crazy and tajiri and then you have a technical match with Eddie Guerrero against Dean Malenko. So it's it's not everything is barbed wire and fire and tables and, and anarchy. Um, and it didn't even develop. I don't think it even developed into that at the end or, you know, where we or wherever we peaked. Um, I think the attraction to ECW was there was a little bit of everything for everybody. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and. I want to talk about ECW's efforts as well, trying to get on pay-per-view. Um, they've been trying to get on pay-per-view before 1997, if I'm correct. Uh, what was the first you've heard of ECW saying, let's try and get ourselves on pay-per-view here? Uh, it was it was probably 96. I know they were trying to, and I know that um, a lot of the, the cable companies really weren't interested in our product. And I don't know it had anything to do with WCW and WWF at WWF at the time um, and because there, there weren't any other wrestling promotions trying to get on pay-per-view either so I don't know if there's any kind of you know we have these two thanks anyway attitude from the cable company or even if it was you guys are crazy we're not putting that on TV so uh, you know Paul Paul can work people pretty good into to seeing it his way and he did, and, and he eventually got us on a couple of cable um, or a couple of pay-per-view providers, and the, the ball just rolled from there for for the pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. And uh, let, let's talk about uh, Barely Legal 1997. Uh, what was the atmosphere like around the building, uh, in the locker room, uh, et cetera, uh, just getting set for this uh, big pay-per-view for ECW? Well, I only live... 10 or 15 minutes away from the building still and um i went over the night before and they they painted the place they even painted the floors and uh it actually looked really nice for for once and so we just you know kind of went over there and checked things out and they hadn't really completely set everything up so we got out of there and then the next day um that sunday they um they were there was a call to be there at the building and i'll say one o'clock i think it was something like that so we get over there and you know the guys are hanging the lights and they're working on the sound and you know just all the technical stuff being set up 
And really, Paul just wanted to make sure that everybody was in town. And he said, okay, you know, come back at uh, 5 o'clock or whatever it was. Well, I sat there for the four hours. I just took everything in because I had never done anything like this. This was the first pay-per-view that I'd ever been involved in. So just sat back and watched everything happen and and tried to take everything in. Um, I was excited. I never thought that I would get to one B on TV, let alone pay-per-view, even though it wasn't really a national pay-per-view. I think there there were a lot of places that, that didn't get us yet. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really exciting. And I think a lot of the guys who had never been at that level before, they were pretty excited too. Um, but the guys, luckily we had enough guys with the company that had done pay-per-views and important things along that line, like live television for, let's say the class champions type of shows, um, that really kind of helped us along with, with getting the product out there and, and, putting on a great show mm-hmm. and uh, you also got to ref uh the taz versus sabu match which had been very much uh built uh for that pay-per-view uh what was the feeling uh during that match especially with the way they built things up and the eventual face-off between taz and sabu yeah well that match they paul built that for almost two years if not more um and the two had never touched so that was a uh, the it wasn't the main event of the show, but it was it was the match that was promoted for the show. And boy, the, the you could just feel it in the crowd. Uh, the you know they were ready for it. They they were bloodthirsty. They weren't thirsty for blood, but but they were they were ready for this match. They really wanted to see it. And and you know just bring the bell and let them go. You could just feel it. And um, I thought they they accomplished what they they needed to what they wanted to for that match. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, we also saw uh, Beyond the Mat covered uh, backstage as well, and we saw one of Paul Heyman's speeches. Uh, where would you say, uh, in terms of Paul Heyman's backstage speeches to the talent, uh, where would it rank uh, as compared to some of the other speeches he's done to talent uh, throughout ECW? Oh, that was that was number one. That, that was the best speech he ever gave us. Um, he, he really didn't give that many big speeches like that he just you know gave a couple of talks here and there i know there was one a couple of weeks before the pay-per-view um because there was some tension in the locker room and and i really think it was from you know the anticipation of the match or or the pay-per-view coming along um guys were getting a little antsy and everything so he kind of he gave a speech to calm everybody down with that um but yeah nothing ranks like like that speech Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and moving on forward, uh, you were able to ref a whole bunch of different pay-per-views. Um, out of all the pay-per-views, I know it's a pretty general question, but out of all the pay-per-views, which would you say was probably ECW's best overall pay-per-view? And just from a referee standpoint, being able to ref those matches. Wow. I haven't really gone back and looked at them all in a long time. Um, I'm just going to say barely legal because it was so important to the company to get this pay-per-view out there, um, not just for uh, the fans that were loyal to us, but to to get the cable companies to entrust in a new company, um, being able to put out a, a viable product that was um, financially, there was a financial good decision for them to make to, to show our, our um, pay-per-views. 
So I think, yeah, barely legal, not only because of the matches, but I, I think the importance to the company is, is probably at the top for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, later on, around 2000, uh, Paul stopped showing up to some of the ECW events. Uh, what was the feeling around the locker room about that, about Paul uh, not being uh, at some of the ECW shows later on in 2000? Well, we, we knew that the, the company needed some help. Uh, we're, we we had lost the, the TNN deal. Um, kind of uh, my personal feeling is that we were used as a test dummy for for TNN because they eventually took on the WWF um, as, as a Monday night product and, and dropped us. So I thought we were really used as, as the, the crash test dummies uh, for the network. And um, I, I don't necessarily know if we needed another network. Um, I think that if we were able to get a strong a line of independent television stations to to carry us but that took a lot of work that meant people going to different cities or or talking to people from different cities so i understand why paul may not have been there um to work on those things whether he was home making phone calls or actually traveling to wherever trying to make some kind of television deal but i think um i think a, a nationally syndicated deal would have would have worked but again at the same time television stations were were not as independently owned as they had been. So you're, you're what we had, I don't know if you call it that up in Canada or not, but we had local UHF channels, independent channels. Hmm. And, and those were being bought up by, by companies. And so they were starting to show national product as opposed to every town showed something different at night. Hmm. Interesting, and uh, there's there's been a lot of talk about Paul uh, not being able to pay uh, talent uh, their money. Uh, was that a case <laughs> for you uh, in terms of bounced checks, uh, or or were you paid the uh, the money on time? That sort of deal. Um, there were times that I was not paid on time. There were checks that were bounced. I will say that all the checks that were bounced were paid for or. I, I actually got the money for, um, but in the long run, yes, they're, I'm, I'm still owed money by HHG Corp. Interesting. Um, and also, I just want to talk about some of the backstage culture. A lot of notorious characters uh, in the locker room. You got guys like Taz, Sabu, New Jack, Sandman, uh, Rob Van Dam, uh, all those guys. Um, how would you describe uh, the feeling backstage, uh, some of the interactions with some of those guys? Um, specifically, I actually want to ask uh, just guys like who are notorious for being uh, – some, I guess you could say uh, hard backstage, like New Jack. Um, did you have any instances where uh, that you remember where there may be some backstage incidents with New Jack or, or Sandman or any of those guys? Yeah, no, I never had any problems personally with, with the guys in the locker room. I, I really tried to kind of keep to myself. Um, you know, there, there was the one time I, I think – Everybody's probably seen the video where in the ring, um, Sandman took his pants off. And that developed into a problem um, backstage. And um, this was towards the end of the company, so there was a lot of tension at the time um, from that. But um, 
<laughs> there was actually one incident where the, the ECW arena, when we first were there, was owned by uh, a Mummers Brigade, which, if no one knows, the, the Mummers is a New Year's tradition in the Philadelphia area where they have different brigades and different bands and they dress up and, and put on the New Year's Eve or New Year's Day parade in Philadelphia. It's called the Mummers Parade. They've been doing it for hundreds of years, if, if, if that long. But they've, they've been doing it for a long time. But anyway, this was their part of their this the bingo hall. The ECW arena was part of their uh, complex, their clubhouse. And their guy, there was a fight one time <laughs> that developed between the um, the Viking members and ECW guys, and that got pretty rough. And we had to get people, certain people, out of the building <laughs> before the cops showed up. Um, so yeah, there there was that one incident. But you know, backstage, there were, I don't think there were that many conflicts as people might think there were. Um, there was a lot of crazy stuff going on backstage, but you know, we were we were a family. Mm-hmm. Um, we fought together, um, and just like any family, there's there's inner strife and inner inner battles. But you know, it, it never developed into a, a physical thing or or uh, a thing in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, just one last couple of questions here about ECW. Um, what was your reaction when you saw uh, Paul Heyman show up on WWE television uh, as the color commentator to replace uh, Jerry Lawler? Uh, my first thought was, I'm going back to working at warehouses. <laughs> <laughs> um, I knew it was over then. Um, I thought, well, you know, what what can I do now? I don't I don't see myself getting a a, a job working for a major company anymore. Because um, at the time with ECW, I was doing some promotional stuff, so I had quit my nine to five job and and was traveling around doing promotional stuff for the company um plus the the refereeing so i would go two weeks ahead to his town and promote it and then catch up to where we were for the weekend for the shows so i mean everything was my my money was tied up with ecw or was coming from ecw my paychecks were coming from ecw nowhere else Mm -hmm. so i was like what do i do now Mm -hmm. um and it took a little while to get back on my feet and recover from that i thought wow you know paul's there and i'm friendly with paul you know he's gonna put a good word in for me and you know sat there watching the t watching the telephone (laughs) it never (laughs) rang um and and that was my fault thinking that you know he he was you know put a good word in for everybody but you know he can only do so much Mm -hmm. so you know that that was my reaction with that i just you know was like crap now i gotta go back into the <laughs> work in a real job absolutely um and uh one last quick question here i just want to ask you about uh, old time wrestling and all the things you're doing there yeah old time wrestling or otw is what i'm doing now what i've been doing since pretty much ecw shut down uh we train guys uh we've got a couple of guys who have been to down to developmental camps with WWE. We've got guys who work with uh, Ring of Honor. Um, we've had guys do some stuff, um, tryouts with, with uh, TNA at the time. Um, so we, we've had some success in getting our guys out there, but we do we do shows also. Uh, we have 
I, I think we're one of the companies in, in the in the U.S. that that puts on the most shows um, than a lot of other people. So if, if you come train with us, you have a really good opportunity to get a lot of work because uh, we'll do um, a show every Saturday, whether it's at two o'clock or at seven o'clock. Uh, we'll do a show every Saturday from the week after Labor Day. So for the Canadians, that's um, the second week of September to um, the last, the, the second to last weekend in May for Memorial Day. So we'll run every Saturday unless there's a major holiday, unless it's Christmas and New Year's. We usually shut down for that. Um, so that's a good chunk of, of wrestling right there. And then during the summer, because of our facility, we're in a warehouse and uh, air conditioning is uh, a good word, maybe lax. Um, we just do three shows during the summer and they're both, they're all three at, at seven o'clock. So we don't do any daytime shows, but we train guys, we do kids' birthday parties. We, you know, we're, we're out there hustling and, and trying to get people to notice us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, anything else you want to quickly promote? Uh, just your transitioning into managing, that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I started managing a little bit now um, for um, the hardcore um, hardcore hustle organization run by Matt Tremont. Um, I'm right now I'm managing the champion, Shane Douglas. <laughs> and um, I'm going to – we're developing a um, – I'm developing a bit of a stable. We're going to call ourselves the Agents of Fortune. And, um, in fact, their show in October, actually at the ECW Arena, because we rent our building out to other companies, um, we're going to put on uh, uh, HHO, or H2O, as they call themselves, uh, a hardcore versus extreme. So we're going to, I'm in the process of gathering up some ECW guys to take on some hardcore guys so it's going to be extreme versus hardcore and and that's going to be interesting to, to see and then actually this weekend this Saturday night uh, OTW we're doing our summer show at the top on top of the world and uh, we have Rhett Titus from Ring of Honor coming in for us who we haven't had for a long time before he was with Ring of Honor he, he wrestled for us so he's coming back we've got some guys coming in from from down in Baltimore and up in New York, and uh, it should be an interesting card this weekend. Sounds like fun. Uh, before we let you off, uh, could you just do a quick promo for Wrestling With Ideas, saying, hey, this is Jim Molyneux. You're listening to Wrestling With Ideas. That's sort of deal? Sure. Awesome. Whenever you're ready. Hey, everybody. This is Jim Molyneux, former ECW official, and you're listening to Wrestling With Ideas. Awesome stuff. Thanks again, Jim, and uh, a great interview there. And uh, sure, wish no you the problem. I wish you the best on uh, your future, all the stuff with old-time wrestling and uh, your managing. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. All right, sounds good. Have a good one.